Section 10 of What is Property? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Schneider. What is Property? An Inquiry into the Principle of Right and Government by Pierre Joseph Proudhon. Translated by Benjamin R. Tucker. Chapter 3, Part 2 labor as the efficient cause of the domain of property prescription gives no title to property the right of property was the origin of evil on the earth the first link in the long chain of crimes and misfortunes which the human race has endured since its birth the delusion of prescription is the fatal charm thrown over the intellect the death sentence breathed into the conscience to arrest man's progress towards truth and bolster up the worship of error the code defines prescription thus quote, the process of gaining and losing through the lapse of time end quote. in applying this definition to ideas and beliefs we may use the word prescription to denote the everlasting prejudice in favor of old superstitions whatever be their object the opposition often furious and bloody with which new light has always been received and which makes the sage a martyr not a principle not a discovery not a generous thought but has met at its entrance into the world with a formidable barrier of preconceived opinions seeming like a conspiracy of old prejudices prescriptions against reason prescriptions against facts prescriptions against every truth hitherto unknown that is the sum and substance of the statu quo philosophy the watchword of conservatives throughout the century when the evangelical reform was broached to the world there was prescription in favor of violence debauchery and selfishness when galileo descartes pascal and their disciples reconstructed philosophy in the sciences there was prescription in favor of the aristotelian philosophy when our fathers of eighty nine demanded liberty and equality there was prescription in favor of tyranny and privilege there always have been proprietors and there always will be it is with this profound utterance the final effort of selfishness dying in its last ditch that the friends of social inequality hope to repel the attacks of their adversaries thinking undoubtedly that ideas like property can be lost by prescription enlightened to-day by the triumphal march of science taught by the most glorious successes to question our own opinions we receive with favor and applause the observer of nature who by a thousand experiments based upon the most profound analysis pursues a new principle a law hitherto undiscovered we take care to repel no idea no fact under the pretext that abler men than ourselves lived in former days who did not notice the same phenomena nor grasp the same analogies why do we not preserve a like attitude toward political and philosophical questions why this ridiculous mania for affirming that everything has been said which means that we know all about mental and moral science why is the proverb there is nothing new under the sun applied exclusively to metaphysical investigations because we still study philosophy with the imagination instead of by observation and method because fancy and will are universally regarded as judges 
in the place of arguments and facts it has been impossible to this day to distinguish the charlatan from the philosopher the savant from the impostor since the days of solomon and pythagoras imagination has been exhausted in guessing out social and psychological laws all systems have been proposed looked at in this light it is probably true that everything has been said but it is no less true that everything remains to be proved in politics to take only this branch of philosophy in politics every one is governed in his choice of party by his passion and his interests the mind is submitted to the impositions of the will there is no knowledge there is not even a shadow of certainty in this way general ignorance produces general tyranny and while liberty of thought is written in the charter slavery of thought under the name of majority rule is decreed by the charter in order to confine myself to the civil prescription of which the code speaks i shall refrain from beginning a discussion upon this worn-out objection brought forward by proprietors it would be too tiresome and declamatory everybody knows that there are rights which cannot be prescribed and as for those things which can be gained through the lapse of time no one is ignorant of the fact that prescription requires certain conditions the omission of one of which renders it null if it is true for example that the proprietor's possession has been civil public peaceable and uninterrupted it is none the less true that it is not based on a just title since the only titles which it can show occupation and labor prove as much for the proletaire who demands as for the proprietor who defends further this possession is dishonest since it is founded on a violation of right which prevents prescription according to the saying of st paul nunquam in usucapionibus juris error possessori protest the violation of right lies either in the fact that the holder possesses as proprietor while he should possess only as usufructuary or in the fact that he has purchased a thing which no one had a right to transfer or sell another reason why prescription cannot be adduced in favor of property a reason borrowed from jurisprudence is that the right to possess real estate is a part of the universal right which has never been totally destroyed even at the most critical periods and the proletaire in order to gain the power to exercise it fully has only to prove that he has exercised it in part he for example who has the universal right to possess give exchange loan let sell transform or destroy a thing preserves the integrity of this right by the sole act of loaning though he has never shown his authority in any other manner likewise we shall see that equality of possessions equality of rights liberty will personality are so many identical expressions of one and the same idea the right of preservation and development in a word the right of life against which there can be no prescription until the human race has vanished from the face of the earth finally as to the time required for prescription it would be superfluous to show that the right of property in general cannot be acquired by simple possession for ten twenty a hundred a thousand or a hundred thousand years 
that so long as there exists a human head capable of understanding and combating the right of property this right will not be prescribed for principles of jurisprudence and axioms of reason are different from accidental and contingent facts one man's possession can prescribe against another man's possession but just as the possessor cannot prescribe against himself so reason has always the faculty of change and reformation past error is not binding on the future reason is always the same eternal force the institution of property the work of ignorant reason may be abrogated by a more enlightened reason consequently property cannot be established by prescription this is so certain and so true that on it rests the maxim that in the matter of prescription a violation of right goes for nothing but i should be recreant to my method and the reader would have the right to accuse me of charlatanism and bad faith if i had nothing further to advance concerning prescription i showed in the first place that appropriation of land is illegal and that supposing it to be legal it must be accompanied by a quality of property i have shown in the second place that universal consent proves nothing in favor of property and that if it proves anything it proves equality of property i have yet to show that prescription if admissible at all presupposes equality of property the demonstration will be neither long nor difficult i need only to call attention to the reasons why prescription was introduced prescription says dunod seems repugnant to natural equity which permits no one either to deprive another of his possessions without his knowledge and consent or to enrich himself at another's expense but as it might often happen in the absence of prescription the one who had honestly earned would be ousted after long possession and even that he who had received a thing from its rightful owner or who had been legitimately relieved from all obligations would on losing his title be liable to be dispossessed or subjected again the public welfare demanded that a term should be fixed after the expiration of which no one should be allowed to disturb actual possessors or reassert rights too long neglected the civil law in regulating prescription has aimed then only to perfect natural law and to supplement the law of nations and it is founded on the public good which should always be considered before individual welfare bono publico usucapio introducta est it should be regarded with favor provided the conditions required by the law are fulfilled tullier in his civil law says in order that the question of proprietorship may not remain too long unsettled and thereby injure the public welfare disturbing the peace of families and the stability of social transactions the law has fixed a time when all claims shall be cancelled and possession shall regain its ancient prerogative through its transformation into property cassiodorus said of property that it was the only safe harbor in which to seek shelter from the tempests of chicanery and the gales of avarice hic unus unter humanus procellus portis quem si homines fervida voluntate praeterit in unidosis semper jurgis erabunt thus in the opinion of the authors prescription is a means of preserving public order 
a restoration in certain cases of the original mode of acquiring property a fiction of the civil law which derives all its force from the necessity of settling differences which otherwise would never end for as grotius says time has no power to produce effects all things happen in time but nothing is done by time prescription or the right of acquisition through the lapse of time is therefore a fiction of the law conventionally adopted but all property necessarily originated in prescription or as the latins say in usucapion that is in continued possession i ask then in the first place how possession can become property by the lapse of time continue possession as long as you wish continue it for years and for centuries you never can give duration which of itself creates nothing changes nothing modifies nothing the power to change the usufructuary into a proprietor let the civil law secure against chance comers the honest possessor who has held his position for many years that only confirms a right already respected and prescription applied in this way simply means that possession which has continued for twenty thirty or a hundred years shall be retained by the occupant but when the law declares that the lapse of time changes possessor into proprietor it supposes that a right can be created without a producing cause it unwarrantably alters the character of the subject it legislates on a matter not open to legislation it exceeds its own powers public order and private security ask only that possession shall be protected why has the law created property prescription was simply security for the future why has the law made it a matter of privilege thus the origin of prescription is identical with that of property itself and since the latter can legitimate itself only when accompanied by equality prescription is but another of the thousand forms which the necessity of maintaining this precious equality has taken and this is no vain induction no far-fetched inference the proof is written in all the codes and indeed if all nations through their instinct of justice and their conservative nature have recognized the utility and the necessity of prescription and if their design has been to guard thereby the interests of the possessor could they not do something for the absent citizen separated from his family and his country by commerce war or captivity and in no position to exercise his right of possession no also at the same time that prescription was introduced into the laws it was admitted that property is preserved by intent alone nudo animo now if property is preserved by intent alone if it can be lost only by the action of the proprietor what can be the use of prescription how does the law dare to presume that the proprietor who preserves by intent alone intended to abandon that which he has allowed to be prescribed what lapse of time can warrant such a conjecture and by what right does the law punish the absence of the proprietor by depriving him of his goods what then we found but a moment since that prescription and property were identical and now we find that they are mutually destructive grotius who perceived this difficulty replied so singularly that his words deserve to be quoted 
bene sperandum de hominibus ac propteria non putandum eos hoc esse animo ut rei caduce causa hominem alterum valent in perpetuo peccato versari quo de evitari sepe non potent sine tali derelictone where is the man he says with so unchristian a soul that for a trifle he would perpetuate the trespass of a possessor which would inevitably be the result if he did not consent to abandon his right by the eternal i am that man though a million proprietors should burn for it in hell i lay the blame on them for depriving me of my portion of the world's goods to this powerful consideration grotius rejoins that it is better to abandon a disputed right than to go to a law disturb the peace of nations and stir up the flames of civil war i accept if you wish this argument provided you indemnify me but if this indemnity is refused me what do i a proletaire care for the tranquillity and security of the rich i care as little for public order as for the proprietor's safety i ask to live a laborer otherwise i will die a warrior whichever way we turn we shall come to the conclusion that prescription is a contradiction of property or rather that prescription and property are two forms of the same principle but two forms which serve to correct each other and ancient and modern jurisprudence did not make the least of its blunders in pretending to reconcile them indeed if we see in the institution of property only a desire to secure to each individual his share of the soil and his right to labor in the distinction between naked property and possession only an asylum for absentees orphans and all who do not know or cannot maintain their rights in prescription only a means either of defense against unjust pretensions and encroachments or of the settlement of the differences caused by the removal of possessors we shall recognize in these various forms of human justice the spontaneous efforts of the mind to come to the aid of the social instinct we shall see in, in this protection of all rights the sentiment of equality a constant leveling tendency and looking deeper we shall find in the very exaggeration of these principles the confirmation of our doctrine because if equality of conditions and universal association are not realized it will be owing to the obstacle thrown for the time in the way of the common sense of the people by the stupidity of legislators and judges and also to the fact that while society in its original state was illuminated with a flash of truth the early speculations of its leaders could bring forth nothing but darkness after the first covenants after the first drafts of laws and constitutions which were the expression of man's primary needs the legislator's duty was to reform the errors of legislation to complete that which was defective to harmonize by superior definitions those things which seemed to conflict instead of that they halted at the literal meaning of laws content to play the subordinate part of commentators and scholiasts taking the inspirations of the human mind at that time necessarily weak and faulty for axioms of eternal and unquestionable truth influenced by public opinion enslaved by the popular religion they have invariably started with the principle following in this respect the example of the theologians 
that that is infallibly true which has been admitted by all persons in all places and at all times quod ab omnibus quod ubique quod semper as if a general but spontaneous opinion was anything more than an indication of the truth let us not be deceived the opinion of all nations may serve to authenticate the principle of a fact the vague sentiment of a law it can teach us nothing about either fact or law the consent of mankind is an indication of nature not as cicero says a law of nature under the indication is hidden the truth which faith can believe but only thought can know such has been the constant progress of the human mind in regard to physical phenomena and the creations of genius how can it be otherwise with the facts of conscience and the rules of human conduct labor that labor has no inherent power to appropriate natural wealth we shall show by the maxims of political economy and law that is by the authorities recognized by property one that labor has no inherent power to appropriate natural wealth two that if we admit that labor has this power we are led directly to equality of property whatever the kind of labor however scarce the product or unequal the ability of the laborers three that in the order of justice labor destroys property following the example of our opponents and that we may leave no obstacles in the path let us examine the question in the strongest possible light monsieur charles comte says in his treatise on property Quote, France, considered as a nation, has a territory which is her own. End quote. France, as an individuality, possesses a territory which she cultivates. It is not her property. Nations are related to each other as individuals are. They are commoners and workers. It is an abuse of language to call them proprietors. The right of use and abuse belongs no more to nations than to men and the time will come when a war waged for the purpose of checking a nation in its abuse of the soil will be regarded as a holy war thus m charles comte who undertakes to explain how property comes into existence and who starts with the supposition that a nation is a proprietor falls into that error known as begging the question a mistake which vitiates his whole argument if the reader thinks it is pushing logic too far to question a nation's right or property in the territory which it possesses i will simply remind him of the fact that at all ages the results of the fictitious right of national property have been pretensions of suzerainty tributes monarchical privileges statute labor quotas of men and money supplies and merchandise etc ending finally in refusals to pay taxes insurrections wars and depopulations Quote, scattered through this territory are extended tracts of land which have not been converted into individual property these lands which consist mainly of forests belong to the whole population and the government which receives the revenues uses or ought to use them in the interest of all End quote. ought to use is well said a lie is avoided thereby why offered for sale who has a right to sell them even were the nation proprietor can the generation of to-day dispossess the generation of to-morrow 
the nation in its function of usufructuary possesses them the government rules superintends and protects them if it also granted lands it could grant only their use it has no right to sell them or transfer them in any way whatever not being a proprietor how can it transmit property Quote, suppose some industrious man buys a portion a large swamp for example that would be no usurpation since the public would receive the exact value through the hands of the government and would be as rich after the sale as before End quote. how ridiculous what because a prodigal imprudent incompetent official sells the state's possessions while i a ward of the state i who have neither an advisory nor a deliberative voice in the state councils while i am allowed to make no opposition to the sale this sale is right and legal the guardians of the nation waste its substance and it has no redress i have received you tell me through the hands of the government my share of the proceeds of the sale but in the first place i did not wish to sell and had i wished to i could not have sold i had not the right and then i do not see that i am benefited by the sale my guardians have dressed up some soldiers repaired an old fortress erected in their pride some costly but worthless monument then they have exploded some fireworks and set up a greased pole what does all that amount to in comparison to my loss the purchaser draws boundaries fences himself in and says this is mine each one by himself each one for himself here then is a piece of land upon which henceforth no one has a right to step save the proprietor and his friends which can benefit nobody save the proprietor and his servants let these sales multiply and soon the people who have been neither able nor willing to sell and who have received none of the proceeds of the sale will have nowhere to rest no place of shelter no ground to till they will die of hunger at the proprietor's door on the edge of that property which was their birthright and the proprietor watching them die will exclaim so perish idlers and vagrants to reconcile us to the proprietor's usurpation Monsieur charles comte assumes the lands to be of little value at the time of the sale Quote, the importance of these usurpations should not be exaggerated they should be measured by the number of men which the occupied land would support and by the means which it would furnish them it is evident for instance that if a piece of land which is worth today one thousand francs was worth only five centimes when it was usurped we really lose only the value of the five centimes a square league of earth would be hardly sufficient to support a savage in distress today it supplies one thousand persons with the means of existence nine hundred and ninety-nine parts of this land is the legitimate property of the possessors only one thousandth of the value has been usurped a peasant admitted one day at confession that he had destroyed a document which declared him a debtor to the amount of three hundred francs said the father confessor you must return these three hundred francs no replied the peasant i will return a penny to pay for the paper Monsieur charles comte's logic resembles this peasant's honesty 
the soil has not only an integrant and actual value it has also a potential value a value of the future which depends on our ability to make it valuable and to employ it in our work destroy a bill of exchange a promissory note an annuity deed as a paper you destroy almost no value at all but with this paper you destroy your title and in losing your title you deprive yourself of your goods destroy the land or what is the same thing sell it and you not only transfer one two or several crops but you annihilate all the products that you could derive from it you and your children and your children's children when m charles comte the apostle of property and the eulogist of labor supposes an alienation of the soil on the part of the government we must not think that he does so without reason and for no purpose it is a necessary part of his position as he rejected the theory of occupancy and as he knew moreover that labor could not constitute the right in the absence of a previous permission to occupy he was obliged to connect this permission with the authority of the government which means that property is based upon the sovereignty of the people in other words upon universal consent this theory we have already considered to say that property is the daughter of labor and then to give labor material on which to exercise itself is if i am not mistaken to reason in a circle contradictions will result from it Quote, a piece of land of a certain size produces food enough to supply a man for one day if the possessor through his labor discovers some method of making it produce enough for two days he doubles its value this new value is his work his creation it is taken from nobody it is his property i maintain that the possessor is paid for his trouble and industry in his doubled crop but that he acquires no right to the land quote, let the laborer have the fruits of his labor end quote. very good but i do not understand that property in products carries with it property in raw material does the skill of the fisherman who on the same coast can catch more fish than his fellows make him proprietor of the fishing grounds can the expertness of a hunter ever be regarded as a property title to a game forest the analogy is perfect the industrious cultivator finds the rewards of his industry in the abundancy and superiority of his crop if he has made improvements in the soil he has the possessor's right of preference never under any circumstances can he be allowed to claim a property title to the soil which he cultivates on the ground of his skill as a cultivator to change possession into property something is needed besides labor without which a man would cease to be proprietor as soon as he ceased to be a laborer now the law bases property upon immemorial unquestionable possession that is prescription labor is only the sensible sign the physical act by which occupation is manifested if then the cultivator remains proprietor after he has ceased to labor and produce if his possession first conceded then tolerated finally becomes inalienable it happens by permission of the civil law and by virtue of the principle of occupancy so true is this that there is not a bill of sale not a farm lease not an annuity but implies it i will quote only one example 
how do we measure the value of land by its product if a piece of land yields one thousand francs we say that at five per cent it is worth twenty thousand francs at four per cent twenty five thousand francs etc which means in other words that in twenty or twenty-five years time the purchaser would recover in full the amount originally paid for the land if then after a certain length of time the price of a piece of land has been wholly recovered why does the purchaser continue to be proprietor because of the right of occupancy in the absence of which every sale would be a redemption theory of appropriation by labor is then a contradiction of the code and when the partisans of this theory pretend to explain the laws thereby they contradict themselves Quote, if men succeed in fertilizing land hitherto unproductive or even death-producing like certain swamps they create thereby property in all its completeness End quote. what good does it do to magnify an expression and play with equivocations as if we expected to change the reality thereby they create property in all its completeness you mean that they create a productive capacity which formerly did not exist but this capacity cannot be created without the material to support it the substance of the soil remains the same only its qualities and modifications are changed man has created everything everything save the material itself now i maintain that this material he can only possess and use in condition of permanent labor granting for the time being his right of property in things which he has produced this then is the first point settled property in product if we grant so much does not carry with it property in the means of production this seems to me to need no further demonstration there is no difference between the soldier who possesses his arms the mason who possesses the materials committed to his care the fisherman who possesses the water the hunter who possesses the field and the forests and the cultivator who possesses the lands all if you say so are proprietors of their products not one is proprietor of the means of production the right to product is exclusive jus in re the right to means is common jus ad rem end of section ten chapter three part two